Welcome to Collaboration RA. This podcast is dedicated to our profession, allowing us to share who we are, what we bring to the field of radiology, and how we care for the patients we serve. We look forward to hearing from you. Find us on our website at www.collaborationra.com. We appreciate you listening, and we're glad you're here. Now let's collaborate. Welcome to this episode of Collaboration RA. I got Reese. Hello. And we also have with us somebody who I love to visit with. This show could go on for hours because I do. I love visiting with Joe Ferrari. So for our listeners, Joe joins us from the great state of New York. Joe started out his career attending the Central Suffolk School of Radiologic Technology in Riverhead, New York, graduating in 1997. By 2000, he had transitioned into interventional radiology. He continued his education and attended St. Joseph's College in Patchogue, New York, graduating in 2005 with a Bachelor's of Science. After completing that bachelor's degree, he continued his studies and earned his certification and credentials in vascular interventional radiology. By 2013, he attended the Radiologist Assistant Program at Rutgers University in Newark, New Jersey, and he graduated with a Master's of Science. Throughout his career, Joe has been recognized multiple times for service of excellence, and he takes pride in his career and in his patients. Joe, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Marcelina. Thank you, Reese. Great to be here. Yeah, Joe, I was very excited to meet you recently at the conference. Joe actually was very quick to find me out of a crowd and uh, came and said hi. And I'm glad you did because I really had a good good time getting to really know you, uh, figure out where your background was, where you were at. And I'm excited to share that to our listeners. Yeah, definitely looking forward to meeting you. You know, put the voice to the face. Um, oh, the sultry voice. It got you. It reeled you in. But it was great. It was great. It was my first time there and it was great meeting so many people from all across the country that do what we do and are as passionate about what we do, you know. And it's Vegas. You can't go wrong in Vegas, right? At SRPE. That's true. Well, you can go wrong in Vegas, but that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> we could do a whole podcast on what we've all done wrong in Vegas. So, Joe, I know that I know a little bit of your history. Will you do me a quick favor and walk some of our listeners through kind of your history? starting out in x-ray, what really decided to have you pursue this as going into your career and then kind of where you're at now? So for me, radiology was a change of careers. I got out of high school and decided to uh, take a different path and was working in construction. And at the time, the money was good. The job was good. And, you know, one day I kind of looked around and I just said, this isn't where I want to be 10 years from now sat down and tried to see what else is out there. You know, what is my passion? What do I enjoy? What do I like? It's funny because my younger brother was working in healthcare administration and I was talking with him and I said, yeah, radiology, I've heard so many things about it. And he said, well, you know, if you want, I can set you up with a meeting with the director at the hospital that I'm at and you can get some more information. I went in and I met the director and we talked for a while and talked about getting into x-ray school and applying in the whole process. And he said, you know, you should have some volunteer time under your belt. So I decided to volunteer there. It was a local hospital. And I used to go in at night, a couple of nights a week, 
helped them out in the radiology department back in the day when we used to process films and transporting patients and everything. I decided to apply to a couple of programs and, you know, that was kind of the start. I got accepted and just decided, you know, on the, the one program, Central Suffolk, it was a hospital-based program, two-year uh, certificate. I felt that it was going to be the best option for me. So I got in and the next semester I had started. I can remember getting, getting like a 98 on an exam and I was mad at myself. 10 years before that, I wouldn't have even batted an eye, you know, and here I am like not arguing, but disputing it with the teacher, you know, as to why I should have gotten the other point or two points or whatever. I just fell in love with it. We did our uh, rotation through interventional radiology and I went in there and I was just in awe of the room and, and the equipment and the IR tech that was, that was in there said, Hey, you know, you want to scrub in? And usually most of the students, when they got into there, they kind of just hung out, read a book and didn't really pay attention because it was like a one week rotation. She asked the radiologist, can Joe scrub in with you? And he's like, yeah, sure. So gave me a quick lesson on some of the wires and, and everything. And I was like, wow, I really like this. You know, I finished school and um, that time we weren't as fortunate with the job market. We were pretty much told there's no jobs out there. Most of us all work per diem. Some were fortunate to get part-time jobs. So I was working, you know, per diem in a few different facilities, a few different hospitals. And this opportunity came up at the hospital that was in my hometown. And I had been working per diem there and they gave me a part-time position. And uh, from there, full-time, once I was there full-time, one of the radiologists said, hey, you know, what do you think about interventional radiology? I was like, that's where I want to go, you know? And there weren't positions. Positions didn't just open up. They brought me in and I started working, basically just covering shifts. There were two techs. When one of them was off, they would put me in there. Eventually, I got it in full-time. I've been there 22 years in interventional radiology. I love it. Every day is something different. Nothing is the same. You know, a pick line today on this person is totally different than a pick line tomorrow on another person. And I think that's what brings so much excitement to the role. Even though you're doing the same thing, it changes. Every patient has to be handled a little bit differently. I worked at the hospital that hired me and I was there for just over 25 years. And I just recently um, left, had a new opportunity come my way, decided to take it. Been there just over four months and been great. Love it. And so at the other facility where you were at that you were doing interventional, I know that you also eventually went through the RA program and did your training. Right. Was it still at that same institution or what inspired you to do the RA route? I decided to go and get my college education. And at the time, you know, started a family. I was going to school at night. So it took me a little bit longer to get my bachelor's, finished my bachelor's degree and said, I want to get vascular interventional certified. It took me just about two years to document all the cases to be able to sit for my boards. After that, I got done and took a little bit of time off, less than a year. Felt I really want something else. Honestly, came up PA school, RA school. I wasn't in a position where to go back to school full-time. It really wasn't an option that would be on the table. Having children and a mortgage and everything else, I just wasn't able to do it. So I researched the RA program. There were two programs here. One was Quinnipiac. The other was University of Medicine and Dentistry, uh, which is now Rutgers. 
I reached out to the program director, Gladys Montaigne, told her what my interest was. And she gave me a background on the program. And, you know, we talked about having your own mentor and your own preceptor. I was fortunate to get everybody at the institution that I was in to buy in and support me on it. I worked out a collaboration agreement and started doing my clinical at the hospital that I worked at, which was nice. Still had to go to to Rutgers. Occasionally, we had to do our on-site clinicals. I finished there in 2013. I graduated, sat for my boards, passed, and then the hospital um, you know, opened up the idea of creating a position, which took just over a year. It had to go through all the medical boards, and we had another hospital had a joint affiliation with, so it had to pass through their board. The hospital bylaws had to be rewritten for the two facilities to incorporate the RA role in the uh, ACP role with the PAs and NPs. They did it. They offered me a position. So it's almost 10 years, you know, practicing as an RA. I know throughout that process, you've done a lot and you've seen a lot. At what point during that timeline did you first hear about the RA? Because a lot of people don't even hear about it unless they are directly working with one or they know an associate of them who has actually gone through it and, and done it. So right. is that something you came across your path while you were at tech? I was working with, you know, another tech and we had been doing our bachelor's degree together. We were talking one day and he said, yeah, you know, same thing. I want to do something more. I feel like there's more out there. You know, I heard about this, this RA role. Do you know anything about it? And I said, no, I never really heard anything about it before. And that's when I started doing research on it and then found the one in New Jersey, which is uh, where I went, probably an hour and a half commute. So it was close enough that I didn't have to worry about flying across the country and owe it to him to opening up my eyes. He's the person who actually brought it up. You know, he said, I think you'd be good at this, you know. So I had been training him as a new interventional tech. And um, that's kind of how it started. After I started investigating it, I knew someone who went to the uh, Quinnipiac program. I'd been talking to her about the role. I said, you know what? I'm going to do this. So that's kind of where it all started. And what do you think was the most difficult process of all of that? Whether it was applying to the program, whether it was going through the program, the coursework, what do you think during that whole transition from looking into the RA to completing it, would you say was the hardest part and in giving people advice as they go through that? You know, now everything is lessons online and Zoom. We didn't have that. This was kind of my first step into this, this world of distance learning. I found the coursework to be extremely difficult. And people would say, oh, but it was a part-time program. I said, I put in more hours in a part-time program than if I would have went through a full 18-month program. I remember my kids, my wife and I would put the kids to bed and 10 o'clock at night, I'd sit down at the dining room table and you know, I was writing papers and doing assignments and studying. And my daughter said, Dad, why are you doing this? I said, because I didn't do it when I was supposed to. I didn't do it when I was younger. My wife is, is an educator. She's been a teacher for 32 years. And I'd have to say she was probably one of the biggest driving forces behind me going back to school in general. That was really challenging. It was difficult to go to work all day, come home, be dad, be a husband, do the things around the house that need to be done. And then, okay, now it's time for schoolwork. I can remember one night, it must have been two o'clock in the morning. And I just kind of said, I'm done. I emailed 
my program director and I said, I'm never going to finish this assignment. I just can't do it. She got back to me the next day and she said, you'll do it. Sit back, take a breath, you'll do it. Get it done, send it to me. It was difficult. The clinical stuff I found the easiest. Working alongside somebody for, at the time, you know, over 10 years as a first assistant in interventional radiology, these are the procedures that I did every day. So watching and watching the IR docs, watching their hands and, and how they did things and their suturing and how they held a needle and how they held an ultrasound probe. And, you know, when they went into CAT scan, what did they do? How did they do it? And you started in the morning and sometimes you went till eight, nine o'clock at night. You're lucky if you got a bathroom break. <laughs> Having all of that made it so much easier. It wasn't just coming out of x-ray school and say, okay, this is the next step. The hands-on I found was the easiest. And I think it's because I did it for so many years, you know. I like what you said about observing literally the hands-on, the handiwork. Uh, because from a tech's perspective, you can either watch the practitioner's hands and see the technique they're doing, or you can watch the screen and see what's happening under x-ray. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, half the time that's what we're doing, whether it be in diagnostic fluoro or interventional, is you spend half the time working with your hands, but looking up off in another direction to see mm -hmm. what's actually happening inside the patient. You're right. It does actually take a finesse, a skill set, essentially, of actually performing it yourself to start establishing that muscle memory and finding the techniques to accomplish what you're trying to accomplish the goal at hand. And so once you're actually sitting there doing it and say, oh, oh this is what this feels like. This is the expected resistance I should feel when I am trying right. to do this. So starting to pick up that experience, that's huge because you really do have to pick it up and yeah. start doing it yourself. Yeah, I can remember uh, one of the docs I was working with would say, there's a certain feel that the wire has, you know, and most of what, you know, we're talking about because of my training is all interventional. I didn't really do much of the fluoro, the GIs and stuff like that, that a lot of RAs are doing. But in IR, it was always, you know, the wire has a certain feel and certain tactile feel and you should feel this and you shouldn't feel that. And then once you put that together and start doing procedures, it's eye opening. Like, wow, that's what they meant, you know? Yeah, I agree. And the same thing does go for fluoroscopy. It's the LPs. You get the certain feeling as you're going through the tissues and you're getting into the different densities and being able to feel and know where you're at. And that was one of the things that my radiologist taught me is if your equipment fails in the middle of your LP, you need to know what you're feeling, right? kind of where you're going, things like that. Um, so I agree with both of y'all exactly what you're saying. And that's true for a lot of the procedures that we do. Dobhoff yeah. tubes are feeling. There's a sensation that you get with them when you know you're in the right place, when you're meeting resistance, things like that. Yeah. And that's one of the things, the last probably six, seven years, we had a residency program. Uh, it started out as a DR and then we had an IR program as well that came about, I think a year or two later. I've worked with a lot of residents. Um, I've given a lot of hands-on clinics. I do vascular access clinics for them, suturing clinics, stuff that they just say, you know, Hey, can you spend some time with me on this? We'll sit down for, you know, an hour, two hours, you know, on a phantom and just work on the hand-eye coordination and, and the feel, how things are supposed to feel and getting to the point, like Reese said, where you're no longer looking at your hands. I can watch the monitor. I don't have to worry about my hands. My hands now are trained. They know where they have to be. And I can just look up at the monitor. Mm -hmm. Okay, Joe. So 
When it comes to the RA role, from your observation, what benefits does it bring to the imaging department where you're at? I think one of the most important is improved workflow. We act as a gatekeeper to our radiologists, healthcare, the team. In my environment, we are the front line. It just expedites the process, improves the workflow, cutting down on staff having to stay late. A lot of what we're seeing all over social media, a lot of the radiologists that I know I follow, you know, physician burnout. And this is our role. This is what we're here for. We are a part of that team. And when in the hospital environment, you have three, four, sometimes five add-ons, maybe it's a para, a thora, a septic joint, those things that we could do. And my radiologists aren't staying until eight, nine o'clock at night with additional staff, nursing, techs who are now on overtime and call. We could finish up our day by five o'clock and be out the door. The biggest thing that I always emphasize is workflow. I will support that 100% because if you can maintain that efficiency, productivity of the department, staff's leaving on time, that does wonders for morale and makes a very positive work environment because if the staff's leaving on time, they're happy. The docs are definitely leaving on time. They're happy. Their home life is all happy. So it just creates a snowball effect of this positivity. It makes a happy department. When people start seeing happiness in a department like that, people can feel it and people want to work in that environment because they want that for themselves. I think the other thing too is not only the flow of it, you know, getting the flow of it to go together. Me and my radiologist were talking today and, you know, we were talking about productivity and just some of the things in general that an RA has and encompasses and brings to the table. And one of the key things that was brought up was a patient from yesterday who was actually going into the fluoroscopy department, but the nurse said, well, they're going to go get their drains checked. And I said, no, they're not. I know about this patient because I saw this patient yesterday when we placed the drains, our radiologist placed them, but that's not what they're going for. And so I knew everything about this patient. And so there was no lack of communication or anything like that. It was already discussed between me and Reese the day before. We were all on the same page, even though sometimes there was that miscommunication with the staff. And so my radiologist was just saying, you see every single patient that comes through our door. And being able to have that continuum of care throughout the whole process, because if it was a different radiologist, who knows, maybe they would have checked the drain. Having that continuum, constant person there, and our communication is always flowing. So it's just having that continuum of the staff, the continuum of the patient's care, that really good continuous effort. You're also a face, a face that that patient has now become familiar with. You know, like you said, you might not have the same radiologist on Tuesday that you did on Monday. Knowing the patient and having all of that background information as to, wait, this is what we're doing today. These tubes just went in yesterday. And I find that when the patients see that face, it's easier for them to be more comfortable. Oh, I remember you. You were here yesterday and just builds that rapport. And that's important for for a high-functioning department. And I would definitely agree with that. You know, I get them, we call me the gray-haired lady. So I always point to my hair when I introduce myself to the patients because they can't believe, you know, when I tell them how long I've been doing it, they all tell me there's no way. And I'm like, I keep my gray hair so that you believe me. You know, and we kind of laugh about it. But whenever I walk up and see them the next time around, there's like, there's that gray-haired lady. 
we just joke about that, but that continuum is definitely felt in the departments. Um, and it's nice to have. And as we talk about continuum, I know that you and I have had several conversations about productivity, the productivity of the RA. You and I talk about our log sheets and just kind of discussing those types of things. How would you explain to our listeners about productivity in the utilization of using RAs? I think from early morning, you know, as soon as you get into work, your day starts. I'm already looking at tomorrow's schedule, seeing what's on it. I'm looking at the doctor's schedule, the rooms that are booked, picking up things that, hey, you know what? This isn't going to work. And sometimes having to move those procedures around so that you do reach peak productivity. For me, it's what I do every day. I want to be the most productive. And again, that goes back to you know the workflow. So how it all ties in together, workflow, productivity, overtime, costs, budgets, all of those things, I feel they're so intertwined. But trying to be the most productive to get the most work out of the day efficiently, safely, utilization, like you said, of all the resources that you have, the rooms that you have. And I think that's the important part that as an RA, what we bring to the table, we have such an understanding of the workflow and what each case encompasses. You know, you have a, a in our world, you know, a DVT license case on the table and there's another procedure that has to go off in another room knowing that looking in the room and it's taking them a little bit longer in there, you know, maybe there's a little speed bump or hiccup. We need to do this to move the workflow so that we are utilizing all the resources we have to the best of our ability without staff members sitting around because the next case is delayed. I try to look at it as like not me being productive, but is the department being productive? Is the radiologist being productive? I think those are the big two takeaways. Because if we can eliminate some of the headaches and questions that a lot of technologists have or even other services have of the imaging department, uh, if we can handle that stress on behalf of the radiologist, that allows them more time to be productive in reading out exams, making phone calls for emergent findings, getting through the list. So just being able to be there for the imaging department as a resource I can remember going back quite a few years when, um, you know, surgeons would walk in the room and uh, my IR, IR doc is doing a procedure and they're like, hey, can you evaluate this case? You know, uh, we think there's an abscess and in the middle of doing a procedure, it's nice because I can act as that buffer. I can say, let me have the patient's name. Give me all the information. Give me a phone number where it can reach you at. As soon as he's done with that case, we'll have him take a look at it and I'll get you an answer. And we can move forward with whatever needs to be done that the patient needs. Yeah. It's nice to know that they trust you, that, that you're a good go-to for somebody in the imaging department. Yes, that's true. That was one thing, you know, over the years, I can't tell you how many, how many physicians would call in and, you know, they'd ask for me and emphasis on if I walk, can walk into the room and, and ask my doc, hey, I brought this up on the monitor. This is the area they're looking at. What do you think? All he has to do is take a glance over. Yep, we can do it. Okay, get on the phone. Make sure that the patient's not on any anticoagulation medications. Make sure they haven't eaten. You know, all of those things so that, all right, we can do this procedure at three o'clock, four o'clock, whatever it may be. Yeah, just being able to, to streamline that. You know, I would often just load up eight to 10 consults, bring up all the imaging, have all the 
critical things for the case written down right in front of me. And just we could just go through them straight, boom, 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 and determine we can do this with ultrasound. This is going to be in CT. They're going to be prone. Okay, let's go to the next case. Okay, yeah, they're MPO. Okay, cool. Yeah, that case will follow. So just being able to knock through all the consult list of the day. The thing that makes the RA unique in the roles that I've done, and, and especially when I worked weekends, I would tell the technologist, I would make a sheets and I would have them cut them out in these little tiny sheets. And on it, it would have PT, PTT, INR, consent, NPO, blood thinners, prior imaging. And so I would tell the technologist, all of them, if you're covering fluoroscopy this day, if you're covering interventional this day, whatever it is that you're covering, before the doctor comes in at 8 a.m., we need to know all of our cases. You need to know who the referring physician is and a contact number. And we need to know if it's for dialysis. Are they doing dialysis today? What is their potassium? What is their creatinine? What is their BUN? Everything laid out. So as soon as you walk back to the radiologist, you say, here's this case. He can look at the sheet, can see, okay, I have everything that I need to know to make a decision here today. You know, these are our options, so forth and so on. And so what you do is you make a strong department. You have them also working collaboratively with you. That makes you as an RA more efficient as well too when you're doing procedures. Everybody who walks in that room, when you do your timeout, everybody knows the PTINR. Everybody knows if there was prior imaging. Everybody knows that I expect, you know, the prior imaging to be pulled up on the monitor. You're making everybody efficient. You're setting expectations, but you're also giving them a pathway for them to be successful because no matter where they go, that information is going to excel who they are as a technologist. As they learn their workflow, working up their cases, as they go into management, these are skill sets that we as individuals, as RTs, as anybody working within radiology, these are things that we should know. And these are things that we should be presenting and that we should understand about our patients when we're giving them the care. At least I think so. We had x-ray techs that started rotating into IR. You know, I would explain the procedure to them, explain what we're doing, always trying to explain, you want to get yourself to the point where you're almost one step ahead of what the doctor's thinking. Like you're anticipating what his next move is whether it's a wire, whether it's changing position in a, in a fluoro case on a barium study, whatever it is, to make them more of a complete package. Yeah, and it makes their life easier. And it excels you. And I think so many people assume it's a nursing job. It's whoever's job's taking care of that patient. Right. It's not necessarily a nursing job. It's our job as RTs, as people who see themselves as healthcare providers, It should be a role that we are more than capable of coming in and doing when we're the ones caring for the patients. When a lot of times the nurses aren't present for a lot of the fluorosity, you know, they're not there for the inpatient LPs. They're not there for some of the things that we do. So yes, it is our responsibility and taking ownership of that and pride in it. It's everybody who's in the room that's going to be involved in that procedure and that patient should have all of the information that they need for that procedure to go off and go off smoothly. Having everybody involved in the care of the patient really makes it more of a streamlined process. So I know that we talked about the education and kind of the roles and understanding the RA. We've talked several times about the job market is now a little bit more open than maybe what we all had when we were coming out of school. Why do you think that right now is a good time, whether it be for job, whether it be for programs, for RTs who are looking at going the RA route, why should they consider this? 
I mean, it's great seeing all of these positions that are popping up as more and more facilities are becoming more aware of the benefits of having an RA on staff and seeing these positions open up at some large institutions. I feel like it's that growth that we've been trying for for so long is finally getting acknowledged. And I think it's because of the work that all of us all across the United States, how hard we work to you know, be the best that we can be. I think it's great job market overall. I joke with some of the x-ray students coming out now and I said, we didn't have a job. They basically told us like two months before we were graduating, like, yeah, don't expect to find work. You know, I said, you guys coming out of school today and you have a half a dozen job offers before you even finish your final rotations. You know, I, I was kind of in that same boat because I had many, many people like, don't go the RA route. There's no jobs. You're going to waste two years and then you're going to go back being a tech with a degree you can't use. I was cautiously optimistic, I will say, and I always told myself, as soon as I'm done, I'm going to have to move somewhere where there's a position. I was able to find a position two months before I graduated. I had everything lined up by the time I graduated and sat for my boards and got my results and passed. I was very fortunate in that aspect. We've seen more and more jobs start opening up everywhere. So that's going to be more draw toward the profession. There's more jobs in areas where people want to live. We've had, I think, in New York, probably close to eight to 10 positions that I've seen open up in the last, I'm going to say, eight months. I agree with what you said about, you know, when you decided to take this on and go to school. And I felt the same way, you know, when I started talking to people and they were saying, well, you know, there's no jobs. Thought about it. I really love what I do. I was able to garner up that support from the institution. But again, it was with no promise. They yeah. said, we'll do what we can support wise with your clinicals and all of that. But when you get done, just know that there is no promise. I said, okay, great. Um, I want to move forward with this. Before I even set foot in for clinic. My preceptor made me sign a paper, a document typed up saying, I will not have a job at the end of two years. I was like, yep, I knew it was a gamble. That's the attitude I went in with. You know, I'm going to be cautiously optimistic and here we go. Mine was the same way. When I went through the training program, I had to ask the hospital for permission. We had to, I had to go in front of the directors and the department. And I also had to go in front of the CEO and CFO of the hospital there in that area and kind of showcase why this is a benefit to them in their hospital knowing that I was not going to have a job thereafter. But then as they see you work as a student and they actually see the benefit, not only did the hospital fight for me to stay on board, so did the radiologist and they did offer me a position. I did leave it and yeah. take another opportunity where I felt like I was going to learn more and the pay. And, you know, so there was a lot of things that played into that. But I think a lot of people are really quick to think that this is something that's not going to benefit their practice as radiologists. And then once you get them on as students and you start seeing that, and then once you hire one, you see even more of the benefits that come with it. And so it really just changes the mindset of the department and of the radiology group. And that's really neat to see. And I've seen it in every position that I've been in, you know, that hesitancy at first, you know, troubleshooting through some of the credentialing pitfalls and the going through certain aspects. But once you get going, it's really nice. It is rewarding. So Joe, moving forward, what are some of the challenges that you see currently with the RA field? You know, I know that we've talked about them with several of our other guest hosts that have come on. 
but kind of where do you see the challenges lay with us and how do you see us moving through those? I think the biggest challenge has been acceptance, who we are. And I guess you can't really say it enough, but what we do and what we bring to the table, the experience, the amount of clinical hours that we have in radiology, in radiation safety, all of those things. You had somebody on the other day and they were talking about kind of flying under the radar. And I said, I remember the first couple of years that I started working as an RA. And it was, it was like, just want to fly under the radar. Don't want to cause any waves. You know, I had one radiologist say, you know, I never heard about the RA and uh, could we sit down and talk? And we did. We, we sat down and we talked, just got to know each other and just opened up his eyes to how helpful and how insightful we are and what we, we bring to the table. We work in a, you know, busy departments. We talk all the time about our other ACPs, you know, PAs and NPs. I worked in the department that I worked alongside a PA and a nurse practitioner, and we all had our role. We never butted heads. We knew what our roles were. We worked alongside each other. And this is the thing that I think is so important that, you know, a lot of people overlook how we work together, how efficient we can all be within our roles. And just having that understanding of what we are as a radiology team. I like what you said about acceptance. And it may be one of those type of one-on-one conversations, trying to answer some questions or share information about what it is we do on a day-to-day basis, what we are to a radiology group or a certain radiologist. You know, I think if you keep repeating that, that's kind of what this podcast is doing is here we are, we're having a essentially a one-on-one-on-one conversation, but we're sharing it across the entire nation, across a lot of different platforms. But as a listener, your eyes are open and being able to support the growth and continue that increased acceptance of the RA role, that's what we're really trying to continue that advancement. What do you think is required for us to do, not us as a podcast, but us as a profession? Uh, what's your opinion on how we can continue this positive, increasing trajectory? I don't want to sound corny, but spreading the message, you know, getting the word out, talking to your radiologist, going to conferences, advocating. You know, I gave a, a lecture to some of the uh, x-ray students at a local program who had no idea really about, you know, the RA role. And some of them at the hospital that I was working at would, would come up to me and they'd kind of look and they'd try to look at your badge. And then they say, you're an RA. I, I didn't really know that there was even one around. And I decided to reach out to the program director. I said, you know, you know, the students know so much about CAT scan and MRI and they hear about it or they get to rotate a little bit through special procedures. I'd love to come in and do a talk. And uh, he thought it was great. I put a presentation together, went in and spent about an hour or so talking to them. The one thing that I said to them is advocating. You're spending a lot of money that you're investing in yourself and your career. There's a lot of things going on with all the state legislature stuff that we hear about and through some of the different states. Speak for yourself, advocate for yourself, talk to people, be proud of the profession that you chose because you are a professional. I think that just letting everybody see what you do and having those interactions. Went to a conference, uh, SIR up in Boston, and I was having dinner and I was sitting next to a radiologist from Georgia and we started talking and what do you do and telling him what I do and, and where I'm from. And he's like, wow, you know, can I get your number? Because 
I want to go back to our hospital and I want to see if I could get this kind of position approved because I heard about the RAs, but I never worked with one before. The big thing is, is what we're all here for, right? You're bringing on people onto the podcast. You're getting the word out. Uh, you guys are doing a phenomenal job. I look forward to uh, Tuesday when I get that little notification that the podcast is up, listening to it and just hearing what other people like us are doing across the United States. I think you hit on an important thing. And I know that this month has been very busy for us. And so sorry, the notifications have not been going (laughs) off as they typically do. But, you know, it was really neat because I was able to go and I know Reese went to, you know, some of the more RA geared conferences. I was able to go to a lot of the RT conferences the Texas Society Conference. I went to the North Texas Society Conference and I started teaching and educating on the RA role and advocacy so that they could understand and see who we are, what we do, understanding positioning and fluoroscopy and, you know, ways that it can help you position and understanding the anatomy and abnormal anatomy, but also knowing who we are as RAs and educating about our roles so that they go back and they have those conversations. Because you're absolutely right. We've gone so long underneath the radar out of just not wanting to cause commotion. But I think without causing that commotion, nobody knows who we are. So being able to share that and to have that and get people to understand and maybe see a different perspective, just simply saying, hey, this is who we are. This is what we do. This is what we're providing at this practice. Yeah, definitely agree with you. So I know that we talk about Marka a lot on this podcast and we share a lot about Marka and wanting individuals to, you know, support Marka. What are your thought processes on Marka and the progression of Marka? I feel like it's come a long way from where it was when, you know, where things were when I started. I think more people are becoming aware of it. Like you said, you know, you talk to radiologists and tell them, hey, you know, there's these bills out there and you know, it'd be great if you could just look at them and look at what we do and what benefit we bring. I'm hoping this is a good year and things progress. Again, seeing the job market opening up kind of tells me that more facilities are becoming aware of us and what we do and the benefit that we bring. Ideally, I'd love to see, you know, marker pass and, you know, have that support from all of our other collaborating organizations. Uh, that are out there. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think just moving it in that direction, in that trajectory and getting that positive momentum behind it and the support that we need behind it as well too. But again, I think that comes down to us all educating about who we are and the roles that we do and the importance of the RA role model within radiology. And it doesn't mean like what you were saying earlier, it doesn't mean that we're replacing any entity, whether it's PA, NP, radiologist, technologist, it's adding us in addition to whatever's going to make that practice more successful. Yep, more successful and more efficient. It's about having a team. What's wrong with a team? There's nothing <laughs> wrong Everybody with likes things. teams. It's no fun yeah. alone. And like it. it's advocating in every way, every way, shape and form. It doesn't even have to be legislatively. It's just advocating for your role, letting people know who you are and what it is that you do. Being able to stand up for yourself, knowing what you're backing. Stand up for yourself. You can do great things and other people will see that. Uh, I encourage our listeners, you know, really speak up, step up for the profession, support your local RA, support your national RAs. 
We really do appreciate it. We appreciate you sharing our podcast. Uh, We're actually reaching more and more people, it seems, every episode. And we get more subscribers with each episode. So we ask that you continue to share, like, subscribe, rate, and review. uh, Because that's really helping us out. And we're getting some really good content out there. Uh, We've had some really big episodes out recently. uh, And people are loving it. I want to continue that so that we can offer really good content for you guys out there on the front lines. So go check us out on our website, collaborationra.com. Send us a message there. You can also reach us on the majority of social media platforms. We are most active on LinkedIn. Uh, You can message us there. Let us know if you have anything you would like to say. Stay tuned. We got more headed your way. Thanks for joining us this week. Marceline, thank you for joining me as well. Anything you want to share before we close this out? Nope. You know, Joe, I love visiting with you. I love that this podcast actually brought us together. Did not know you before we formed the podcast. That's right. Uh, After we had our first release, we got to communicating almost instantly. And now you're somebody who I can shoot a text to no matter what's going on in my life. I love that this podcast opened up that. And I can't tell you how grateful I am for the friendship that we have developed and that we continue to have. And now, you know, Reese also got to get that same friendship and then he got to meet you in person. So I'm a little jealous. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for listening to us and reaching out to us. You're welcome. I think you guys are doing great things. I look forward to uh, future stuff and anything you guys need. I'm here. I'm a phone call or text away. Awesome. We appreciate it, Joe. Thank you so much for joining us. Good night, y'all. We'll see everybody next week. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Collaboration RA. Remember to find us on our website at www.collaborationra.com. There you'll find our social media accounts. Give us a like and give us a share. We look forward to your support and thank you for tuning in.